Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Mansers on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Art is unquestionably one of the purest and highest elements in human happiness, said a 19th century philosopher named John Lubbock. It trains the mind through the eye and the eye through the mind. As the sun colors flowers, so does art color life. Indeed, art enriches all of our lives, but it's not easy for those who create and produce the art we all enjoy. There's the challenge of working through the creative process, and then there's the need to master the business of art, something that many talented artists never quite figure out. With me today to discuss this is Kelly Scott Kelly, a professor of painting in the LSU School of Art, who has exhibited and lectured throughout the United States. She specializes in mixed media narrative paintings, drawings and objects, and has authored a book featuring her narrative artwork entitled Acalia and the Swamp Monster, for which she received an Atlas Grant. That's an award to Louisiana artists and scholars. Kelly, it's a pleasure to have you here on the show. Thank you, thanks for having me. Also at the table today is Jason Andreas executive director of the Baton Rouge Gallery. Baton Rouge Gallery, which for some 50 years has showcased the works of local Baton Rouge artists, has its home in City Park and is an invaluable addition to the Baton Rouge arts community. As executive director, Jason is an ambassador for the gallery and works to add to the area's experience with contemporary art, which is what Baton Rouge Gallery focus on. He achieves this through quality presentations of works by primarily Louisiana-based artists, including musical, literary, and performing artists, though the organization's primary focus is the visual arts. Jason oversees all aspects of the nonprofit's management and has done so since coming here in 2007 from his native Miami. And Jason is a repeat visitor to our show. <laughs> he was last here a couple of years ago, and I know y'all have done a lot of new and exciting things since then, so you're going to bring us up to speed. Thanks Absolutely. for being back with us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Kelly, you specialize in mixed media and narrative paintings and, and a particular emphasis on animals, or at least, you know, in the past several years. Tell us about, about the types of paintings you do and where your creative inspiration comes from? So my work is narrative, meaning it has the feeling of storytelling. Um, the images that I make are metaphorical and symbolic and often do um, include hybrid animals, human figures, and other um, objects. And the inspiration from them comes from my personal life, from socio-political things going on, um, from things I encounter every day, and then I contemplate those things and daydream on them. And if I was going to categorize what the imagery like, it's sort of dream-like or surreal. Mm -hmm. and, and you divide your time between creating these beautiful works and teaching painting at the School of Art at LSU. Yes, I've been there almost 20 years. Wow. And um, for me, I'm from Baton Rouge, but I moved away for 15 years. And coming back to Baton Rouge to teach at LSU is a way for me to give back. Um, many of our students are from Louisiana, and to be, you know, a hometown girl, 
who has moved away and had a lot of experiences. It's an opportunity for me to work with these people that I feel I have a connection to and that I can help them um, with my experiences. And um, it's always, you know, balancing those practices of being a teacher, um, a working, making artist, and then a professional artist that can be tricky. Yeah, well, that's good. I want to talk about that balance. Jason, I want to bring you into the conversation, and you all know each other, and mm-hmm. and Kelly's works show at your gallery, and your gallery really highlights a lot of the cutting edge and contemporary and, and interesting types of, of works that artists are doing out there that people in Baton Rouge may not see otherwise. Yeah, the... The gallery has uh, an artist member roster of over 60 artists who primarily live in the Baton Rouge area, but also across the state. And there's a few that live outside of the state who uh, might have grown up here or lived here for a good while. Um, and so there's still a connection or a tie to either the city or the state. Um, but it's it's an incredible roster of artists that's been building up over the last 52, 53 years now. And we're, we're lucky to have artists like Kelly in that space. So how do you curate your, your collections and how do you just decide which artists you're going to show? So one of the greatest things, one of the things that sets the gallery apart from a lot of other organizations, um, be they commercial galleries or museum settings, is that the artists are the curator. So I don't actually curate, nor does anybody else um, other than the artists. They are the only ones who can bring an artist into the gallery. They're the only ones who can kick an artist out of the gallery. So you get a really unique take on what quality contemporary local art is. Uh, you have a process every year where artists have the opportunity to apply to be a part of the gallery and have exhibition privileges. Um, and then a panel of 10 current artist members actually reviews those applications, and they're the ones making the determination on whether or not uh, the work should be seen in that space. Mm-hmm. And and what is the gallery's business model, and, and how many people do you all have as members who come to, to mm-hmm. see these works? We're a, we're a 501c3 nonprofit, so we certainly rely on uh, the generosity of donations from community uh, philanthropists and members. Uh, we have a number of people, hundreds of people, who are members of the gallery who give to make sure that the gallery is able to continue to not only grow and bring in new artists, bring in new viewpoints, but also be free and open to the public six days a week as it is. Um, We're lucky to have support from Breck in that we have our home in City Park, where we've been since 1984. Uh, So the gallery has a lot of different ways to support itself, also different events and programming that the gallery does that help uh, make everything else that goes on at the gallery possible. What are some of the new things that have been going on there since we had you on a couple of years ago? A lot of the, the things have been growth-related. So we've been really fortunate to have support from, from area donors that have allowed us to bring on new staff. We're now a staff of four, uh, have exhibitions and programming staff, uh, development director, and then a special events coordinator who helps oversee the facility rentals when people want to rent the gallery for private events. Uh, we've brought in... Uh, about 12 new artists just in the last two years, which a normal year would be three or so new artists coming into the gallery. But to have 12 in a two-year span is a lot, and that's, that's really huge. exciting, yeah. Kelly, as an artist, you alluded a minute ago to the balancing act. You know, and pre- How difficult or easy is it to support yourself as an artist, to market yourself, and to actually, you know, a lot of people appreciate a really cool painting, but that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean they want to buy it and hang it on the wall of their house. Right, right. So how do you cross that divide? You know, for me, um, I made a decision pretty early on that I wanted to um, be able to make a living as teaching. You know, again, it's a, it's a way of giving back what I've learned. And so I show my work regularly in commercial galleries, museums, nonprofit spaces. 
I'm unique in that because I make a living teaching, I don't have to depend on my work to do that. And because my artworks are, they're kind of strange and um, <laughs> um, can be a little dark. And though I, a lot of people really appreciate them, yes. they're not something that um, interior des designers are going to buy to work with, you know, the decor in the home. I mean, somebody's got to really want to live with it. And so I didn't want... Um, the sales of my work to determine what I make. Yeah. I wanted to be able to make the work that's true to me and authentic and not have to worry about that. That is such an interesting point because I guess an artist has to make a decision at some point whether they're going to want to be the artist that the designers all like to put on the white walls and right you know or or somebody who's really speaking from the the heart and the soul. And I have respect for artists that do that. It's not, you know, there's not one way to do it and so artists that are able to do that, I I respect all those choices and it is um, tough being, being an artist, it can be tough, and particularly in terms of figuring out how you're going to live and continue your practice, um, but it's also an incredible privilege to be uh, living a creative life, and so however people do that, I have the utmost respect. Can artists in Louisiana make a living if they're not teaching? Sure, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's certainly uh, up to the individual, and not, that's certainly not true for everybody, um, but you've got a number of great communities in the state of Louisiana, especially, obviously, New Orleans being probably the biggest art market, I would think. Um, but then Baton Rouge and Lafayette are, are growing as well. Um, but certainly it, it doesn't hurt to have that teaching, have the ability to uh, be a professional teacher, um, instructor at a university, those kinds of things. Um, and then other artists have the ability to make money through their own businesses. You have uh, printmakers like uh, Catherine Hunter who have a letterpress business here locally. Um, and and other, there are many others who have uh, mm -hmm. other opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, I know, you know, it's so interesting in Louisiana, of course, there, there's state subsidies for the Superdome and for our football stadiums. Of course, LSU has such a, a vibrant and robust foundation that supports its athletics program. We don't see that same sort of um, state or public support for the arts. And I guess that's true probably everywhere, but we, we I know Louisiana. So. Right, right. It's, you know, in particular, it's difficult um, at times. Um, I, I, I work with the most wonderful people at LSU. My colleagues are all incredible artists. I have so many wonderful students, and we do a lot with what we have but we've struggled because the legislature hasn't funded um, our much um, in need um, facilities, um, or, you know, which are kind of crumbling. And I remember literally um, crumbling. I wrote a story and mm -hmm. we talked yes. about this a few mm -hmm. years ago when like a piece of the ceiling in the art studios fell onto the, yeah. fell on the ground. And they were literally it's, crumbling, 80 year old still, I mean, that was years ago, right? Yeah. So we're still, you know, we keep hearing there's more support. You know, the I was at a meeting. I'm on the faculty senate at LSU, and the the um, president of the university called out School of Art and said it's so terrible over there, and it's one of our priorities in the capital campaign. But you know, we'll see, we'll see. So there's a little bit of hope, and we're being noticed now. You know. <laughs> So. And in the meantime, you wear a hard hat to absolutely <laughs> to yeah. stand by the yeah. easel, maybe. Yeah. But it's really interesting because all of the data leads us to believe 
that the arts can be a big part of bringing cities into the 21st century. You look at uh, the most recent data regarding economic impact, for every nonprofit arts event that somebody goes to, the average person spends over $31 in addition to the cost of their ticket. So that's their babysitter, the meal before, the drinks afterwards, all of those things, and all that has a huge impact on a local economy. Um, And you think about the amount of money that the uh, arts sector produces, I think last, last, uh, in the last month or so, there's been a report that said it was over $763 billion that was produced by the arts sector, um, which was more than uh, the, agricult- the entire agriculture industry in this country in, in its entirety. And the agriculture industry gets an incredible amount of support compared to what the arts mm-hmm. do in this country. Um, and so I think if we started to pay attention to those numbers and lean into that and, and explore what the arts could bring to not only the country, but to Baton Rouge and to Louisiana specifically, um, there, there's untold benefits to, to where we could go with yeah. that. What are you all doing in the arts community here locally, uh, working, for instance, with the Arts Council of Baton Rouge or the, I don't know, the Farmers Art Market or whatever? I mean, what kind of opportunities are there for you all to work together and, and what's going on in Baton Rouge specifically to try to grow this sector and educate people mm-hmm. so that they will, you know. Well, well, being someone that's from Baton Rouge and I left for 15 years and then, you know, coming back uh, in around 1999, the growth in the arts here has been phenomenal. And a big part of that is seeing the Shaw Center for the Arts. Yeah. You know, forever it seemed like these efforts to revitalize downtown after the Shaw Center came, it became a beacon for other things that grew up around it. And I think it's evidence of what Jason said in terms of, you know, it's something that people desire and that it's part of an important community and will ultimately keep young people here. Um, mm-hmm. As well as, you know, I've been with Baton Rouge Gallery for about 20 years. And now um, the opening night events, there are like 400 people there. It's it's phenomenal. So. It's starting to happen. That's encouraging. Yeah, and it's been growing for a number of years. It's really exciting to see. Um, and the amount of collaboration is getting better. I know the, the LSU School of Art and Baton Rouge Gallery, we've had a, a long-standing partnership uh, specifically for uh, the Surreal Salon exhibition that we do every January, um, and as, in addition to other things as well. And the Surreal Salon is special, uh, I'm sorry, as yeah. its name implies it I guess a, would be surreal art well it's a pop surrealism show it's been uh, we're getting ready for our, our 12th year um, and we've brought in some of the biggest names in pop surrealism uh, juxtaposed magazine which is the uh, most widely distributed art magazine in the world has covered it for years now um, and it's a really exciting show that every year kind of is punctuated by a big costume party uh, where we have live bands and interactive experiences for people in addition to the 60 or so artists that are featured on the walls and We've featured um, artists from over 30 different states and five different nations, uh, so it's a really exciting time every year. Um, but it wouldn't have been possible without the right. partnership that we've had with the LSU School of Art. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking with Kelly Scott Kelly of the LSU School of Art and Jason Andreessen of Baton Rouge Gallery. We'll be right back after this very short break. 
You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Kelly Scott Kelly of the LSU School of Art and Jason Andreessen of Baton Rouge Gallery. Jason, do you all sell the paintings at Absolutely. your gallery? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's actually a requirement that at least 90% of any show that, that artists bring to the gallery is for sale. So it's, um, it's a great opportunity for people to not only have really unique work um, that they can have a real connection with, but also support local artists sure. while also supporting a venue that has given local artists a place to show their work uh, for more than 50 years. How do y'all know how to how to price a painting? Kelly, what do you... <laughs> I'm going to let Kelly and, care. And yeah. so, you know, it's, a, it's something I... Uh, a question I get from my students all the time. Sure. And so the price range for um, artworks that are made by a student or someone not long out of school are going to be a lot less. And so it, it partly has to do with your experience. It Part of it has to do with where you're located. Um, I mean, I've shown my work a lot in Houston and New Orleans, um, and you know the prices can vary a little bit because I'll have an idea of a range, and then I'll work with the gallerist who will have an idea of the range for their specific space. So it depends on where. Um, but but having to do with um, the longevity of the career, as yeah. well as the place, the scale of the work. So once you have a range like a medium size a medium size piece price mm-hmm. I mean literally it's going to be less for the smaller ones more for the larger ones if it's a drawing it may be less than a painting it's tricky yeah it's tricky and the the exhibits at Baton Rouge Gallery there'll be three or four artists showing and we each curate our own work we each price our own work and so you might show up work and your might stuff be, might be a lot more than absolutely yes somebody else's. and so you know, it's part, it's part of what's nice about it is that each artist takes charge of what they're doing, you know, and working mm-hmm. with the gallery on that. Um, but it, it, you know, that can be a little bit tricky. And I guess you'll charge more if you're showing in Houston or New Orleans, for instance, than Baton Rouge, maybe? Uh, possibly. I mean, you know, you, you also, when you get to a certain point in your career where I am, you also don't want it, you want it to be about the same because if someone in Houston brought a, bought a work and then they find out someone and bought one in Baton Rouge and it was less, that could be, you know, so you, you kind of balance all of those things and consider them. Mm-hmm. And then, and then Jason, the gallery gets a commission. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It, it is uh, a little bit less than what you might uh, expect from a commercial gallery in terms of the, the percentage that the gallery takes. Um, but it is inherently a different setup. We're an artist co-op. So the artists are not only exhibiting artists, but they're kind of part of the gallery itself. They have a big voice in the artistic direction of the gallery. If, for example, like I said, if if there's an artist to be brought in or an artist that needs to be removed from the gallery, they're the ones making that decision. Uh, if we have ideas about special exhibitions that we want to hold, the artist members have a big say in whether or not those kinds of things move forward. So they're not just exhibiting artists. They're actually a part of the organization. Interesting. Yeah. What advice, Kelly, do you give to the student artists that you teach? And, and I'm not sure what level you're teaching, you know, if that varies from they, freshman yes. to senior to graduate student. It does. It does. So this semester, it. for example, I'm teaching a sophomore, freshman level figure drawing. I'm teaching so the um, basics, the, the basics, um, found the foundation. I'm working with uh, all, I'm also teaching the seniors and I'm chairing thesis committees, so it literally is across the board. So I'm, I'm really lucky that I get to work with students at all those different levels. And, you know, just with my seniors yesterday, the thing I talk to them the most about is that they 
or make work that's authentic for them. You know, that they be educated about what's happening, what has happened. They understand where what they're doing fits into that context. But ultimately, that each of them as individuals has a unique voice, a unique set of experiences, um, a unique way of seeing the world, and that to honor that. And that you can't um, look at outside voices to tell you what to do because you never know. I mean, you can try all you want to make work that's going to be the next big thing, and it's not going to happen. But if you're making the work that's true from where you are in the world and who you are, you're going to make the most powerful work. And then at that point, once it hits the outside world, outside the studio door, we don't have control over that. Sure. Does LSU and and art schools in general include in their curricula now courses to prepare students for the business side of art and things. I know other other fields of study have added that so that students can learn how to support themselves as artists. Yeah, in fact, next semester I'm teaching the graduate level professional practices course. It's called Professional Practices and, and Teaching Seminar because our graduate students do eventually teach and so it's helping prepare them to be in the classroom and that being one possible track. And then also um, teaching them about the ways to engage with the world with their work and more and more artists have to learn about that you have to have a website you have to have a social media presence you have to be the one to get your work out there so it can be seen Um, you have to know how to write and speak about your work and that's Um, so hard often for artists right because it's sort of anathema to their temperaments Mm -hmm. well we started a program at the gallery years ago called articulate where the artists come and talk about their work it's intentionally informal and and but we also videotaped them and then put those talks up on on YouTube. Um, and I remember when we first started that program, there were many artists who were very <laughs> nervous, not only about getting up in front of a, an audience, um, but then when I would tell them, and we're going to videotape it and put it on, on the internet, just, you know, the, the sweat beads would start to form on their foreheads. Um, that's gotten a lot better in recent years. Good. But they are... But that that ability to speak about your work is is really important. Um, you talked about you know being authentic, making work that is authentic, and a lot of that comes through when you're talking to somebody at an opening reception or at an event like you know these artist talks. Um, the ability to communicate, in addition to the work that's visually you know that's presented on the walls or or on a pedestal, um, it is a great skill to have. It is it is something that will really help people to connect to the work, I think. Mm-hmm. Do any of the artists you deal with here locally have managers? The artists that I know manage themselves. <laughs> you know, again, that's part of what we have to do now. Um, certainly, I've been with commercial galleries where they will take on part of that load, but still, I have to be the one to make sure they're keeping up with that. Um, the, Something that might kind of fit into that question is um, I recently, last fall, with two other Baton Rouge Gallery artists and another artist from all that went through LSU, we formed a collective called Luminous Lookout. Mm -hmm. Um, It's me, um, Don Black, Catherine Hunter, who are both Baton Rouge Gallery artists, and Jonathan Mayu. Um, We formed a collective, all of our work, deals with narrative and sort of the personal and social political but all in very different ways and so as a group we are um, applying for exhibits 
and talks. And so we decided, let's see what will happen if we do this as a team. And what's wonderful about working with them, they're all seasoned artists. I'm the most senior artist. Um, <laughs> but they're all, we get together and they're on it. You know, we, we we have a, we have a, an Instagram. We're starting to develop a website, and that's in addition to each of our separate practices as artists. So, always trying to think about inventing new ways of doing what we do and having what we do engage with the world outside the studio. And and maybe that's an example of the next question I'm going to ask you. But what does Baton Rouge need more of to grow its arts community? <clears throat> To grow the arts community, first and foremost is is the show up factor. You know, a lot of times we talk about supporting arts organizations or supporting artists, um, and I don't want to um, skip over the fact that we need arts organizations in general need financial support to make things happen. Uh, but it's also the level of support that we get just from seeing people come and seeing that the city is engaged and interested and excited about the things going on in the arts, not just the visual arts, but the arts overall. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the kind of the base level first thing that, that anybody can do is go give it a try. Go try it out. Go see if it's for you. Um, and then go back another time because, you know, maybe that, that specific show wasn't for you, but the next one might be. Um, but like I said earlier, the the uh, a culture of collecting is certainly important. The more that we can find homes for the works that artists like Kelly are producing and showing in Baton Rouge, the more that artists can live here and work here and um, bring more to the community. There's tons of studies out there about the impact that having more artists in a city or in an area, um, the positive impact that that can have even on people who aren't engaged in the arts. Um, and so the more we can make that happen, the better off we'll be. And what do you think, Kelly? So, you know, what yes said. to everything, <laughs> what he said. But, you know, as an artist, um, he, he mentioned how do you keep artists here? Mm-hmm. And then once the artists are here, what is offered them? And one of the things is studio space for artists, so places to work, because mm-hmm. ultimately it comes through our practice of working, of daily working. Nothing else happens without that. And with... Um, places for artists work then that would create more community for artists to exchange ideas to work together to make things happen um, and I think you know part of that is people again back to the money investing in what's here um, deciding to use some of those a, d- a dilapidated building that isn't being used for anything and maybe putting in a little money into making it a space for artist studios because artists also um, you know are happy to to just have a place to work. Sure. Um, and I think that's something that's desperately needed. Well, Kelly Scott Kelly and Jason Andreasen, Baton Rouge's arts community is fortunate to have such talent and passion in its midst, and we need people like you both to continue to improve the cultural offerings of the city, which is so important, as you say, to improving our quality of life and, and our economy. So thank you both for being here today on Out to Lunch. Thank you, Stephanie. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Kelly Scott Kelly of the LSU School of Art and Jason Andreasen of Baton Rouge Gallery. You can find out more about the LSU School of Art and Baton Rouge Gallery by going to the links on our website. It's batonrouge.la. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino, Dave Winwood, and Ann Edelman. 
If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, it's batonrouge.la, and on our It's Baton Rouge Facebook page. These photos were taken by Carrie Hosford, and you can find more of Carrie's photos at carriehosford.com. You can hear this show and past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsbatonrouge.la. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily, 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world.